0: Welcome to the All-49ers show. Grant Cohn, Jose Sanchez. Sorry we are a little late. Had some technical difficulties, but we're here now. Uh, may you wait. Now the show's on. We're going to talk about Debo today. We're going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to redo the 2021 draft and even talk a little Steph Curry. Uh, st- we're going to start with Debo, though. It seems like they're made – well, first of all, Aaron Wilson, who's very credible and, and connecting, says that the rumblings around the league is that the, the, the Niners and Debo are on the verge of a massive, massive extension. I believe it. Terry McLaurin yesterday got an extension with Washington, three years, 70-something million. It's got about – hold on. I can tell you exactly what it is. Three years, 70 million, 28 million signing bonus, 34.6 million guaranteed at signing, 53.1 million guaranteed overall. And he didn't go to minicamp. Maybe Debo should have held that as well. <laughs> Do you think uh, he's going to get something along the lines of this? Along the lines, yeah, I
1: consider it like tier one, tier two. You know, it's um it's kind of funny because how it's kind of come from first circle for me and you because one of our first streams together was uh when Debo tra- requested that trade, and that was a hell of a day, wasn't it? Yeah. But I, I see it as like a tier one, tier two, you got your Devontae Adams, your Tyree Kill, your Zafon Diggs, then you have the uh the tier twos with AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, and you notice how all their salaries like all are pretty much bunched together in terms of like a five to seven million dollar range, whether it's salary. Per year or guaranteed um so you have mclaurin's like you said was 53 i think aj brown's like 56 teetering around there give or take um i think pretty much yeah debil's gonna be in that tier two category but he's gonna probably get a little bit more probably like like we're talking guarantees i see him getting capped out as maybe even 60 million dollars guarantee which i would have no qualms with you know if you're the 49ers essentially you can't you gotta let you're uh, you got to let your best wide receiver you know all pro players you want to extend them the point of drafting these players is to keep them and it's also the same time investing in Trey Lance so I think it's pretty much going to be in that range Um, it might be even a little bit more steep especially now that Debo might not be the same type of you know wide back role usage but still it, it's it, it's worth the investment just because you got Lance there and you just got to give him that dollar so in that sense it's pretty much a
0: good value fair deal okay I got a couple takeaways here first off have the Niners really helped themselves by holding a hard line and saying, we wait, we don't, we don't do extensions until August. Okay. Well, <clears throat> Washington did an extension for Terry McLaurin. Uh, Philly did an extension for AJ Brown. It seems by waiting, the price tag keeps going up. I, I don't understand what they're really waiting for on this one and why the, I mean, it seems like other teams aren't waiting. I think the wide receiver market's kind of moving differently. And the Niners probably should have acted sooner. Other thing I think is interesting about this is it's a three-year extension, not a four-year extension. Um, If I were Debo, I'd be thinking along the same lines. Like I want to get back in the market sooner rather than later. And in four years, Debo will be like 30. So I I think if I were him, I'd rather hit the market when I'm in my 20s. I wonder if he looks for something like Terry McLaurin's three-year, $70 million extension. I would.
1: Yeah, get a double dip so that way you increase your value. Cause right now his value is not if he continues along the path he's going now, whether he's getting handoffs or not, his value is gonna be exponentially greater for sure, off top. Just the way the market dictates. And because by then he'll have more in his resume, right? He'll have more years. I think that's the knock. Some people I know I'm have against him of why you don't want to give him that Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill money around seventy million dollars guarantees because like he has been doing it for a long time. 2020 was a wash. I know he had a promising 2019 year, but it's pretty much was half of that to me. And then last year was the one where he just really exploded. And sure enough, it was a contract year. So pretty much you just want him to have more of that resume. You know, that's, that's the reason why Adams and Hill and all of them are getting that, that money is because, hey, these guys have been the top of the best, the best of the best for like five to eight years now. So, of course, it's kind of no brainer giving them that type of deal. So, yeah, if you're Debo, for sure you want to do that. And even if you're the Niners, you think of that right now, like, that's that sounds pretty good right now because we don't have to cash them out necessarily, and we get some more years to see if you're worth it if we want to give you that next contract down the line.
0: Yeah, last thing, I'm looking at A.J. Brown's contract extension and uh, McLaurin's, and what's interesting is uh, A.J. Brown got four years, McLaurin got three, but McLaurin actually got a bigger signing bonus, and their guaranteed money is quite similar. Brown got a little bit more. So it seems like if you take a three-year deal, it's not like you get less money, it's just you, you... able to hit the the market again if you i mean some players want longevity but it it seems you don't really actually have longevity you don't have any actually not longevity security you don't actually have security with these contracts unless they're 100 guaranteed so i would take the shorter one anyway i think we are getting some clarity on what debo is going to sign for and when aaron wilson says it is they're on the verge of something huge it's like, yeah, obviously. I don't even think they really, really have to talk about it very much. It kind of makes it It kind of makes
1: obvious. It's like, yeah, they're on the verge because there's only so many receivers left. And at that point, we're going to know where this floor and ceiling is concretely. And I think now we kind of already know what it is, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I really think the Niners should have handled this months ago. I don't see what they gain from waiting, but I guess we'll see when the final numbers come in. This is the
1: way they do business
0: consistently. It is. It's the way they do business. This is they're, how they're, they're not flexible. It. And it's very important to not be flexible. All right, anyway. <laughs> Sticking with the wide receivers, do the Niners have the best wide receiver duo in the NFL in Debo, Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk? And I ask this thinking that Jimmy Garoppolo held them back to an extent. Do you think now that they have Trey Lance that they're going to be revealed as the top duo in the league? No.
1: (laughs) No. Jimmy Garoppolo held them back? Yes. Yes. Um, So I think they're going to be better. Yeah, um, I'm really excited to see what that Trey Lance brandon You connection will look like. But no, do they not have it? I'll take freaking uh, washed well, no, he's not washed up, but a declining Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson over those two. I mean, even with Kirk Cousins and whoever the hell their offensive is. <laughs> I like that better. To be honest, that that looks better to me. Um, who else is <sighs> out there? I can I'll take the,
0: well, Justin Jefferson is really, really good though, and it's like I <sighs> You could say that Jefferson, Jefferson, Justin Jefferson is better than Debo, and you could say that Thielen's better than Ayuk. You could, right? Fair enough. Right. I think I would take Debo and Ayuk, though, just to be a homer. <laughs> homer.
1: No. <laughs> what let's else? Because I, I, uh, I was thinking
0: of two other duos that I would Keenan Allen and Mike
1: Williams is better. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams
0: is better. Come on, dog. What are we doing here? I'll take the Niners one just because they have Debo. I really think Debo was MVP. Here, let me let me name the two ones that I was putting in the conversation. First of all, Cincinnati, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. I think that's the best duo in the league. I think Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in the league. Jamar Chase can do probably everything that Debo can do after the catch, but he's faster. He's a, I mean, he had 13 touchdown catches last year. Debo, how many does Debo have in his career? Uh, like 13. So I'm just saying I would I would think and I think T Higgins is better than uh Brandon Ayuk. I would take the Cincinnati duo, and another one that's in the conversation is the Philly duo. AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. No,
1: no, no, not Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith is solid, but I wouldn't like crown him yet. AJ I, Brown sure you don't think he's better than I, so IU, I mean you don't think that Devontae Smith is better than Ayuk? Uh, I feel like they're neck and neck to me. i like that's a little fair. more. A little neck and neck to me, and that's then at that point, okay, what about AJ Brown and Debo Samuel? Okay, I, I think they kind of neck and to neck too. I like AJ them Brown. Take AJ Brown. But here's the yeah. thing: I feel like we're that's what I'm saying. To me, my worth to my worth. The reason why I feel Debo is like one of the best offensive weapons is because exactly that he's an offensive weapon. But once you yeah. take away or even reduce a significant amount, of I'm presuming that's gonna be the reduction we're going to see in 2022, then his value and his impact lessens. he still be really good. He's going to be freaking sweet. But to me, it's like an exclusive wide receiver. I don't think it's going to be nearly the
0: same. Here's the stat. Okay, here's the stat. 10 touchdown catches in three seasons for Debo. Chase had 13 as a rookie. So here's the thing with Debo. And it's like, we've been having this conversation. I feel like I'm just having an epiphany. Yeah, he's a great offensive weapon, but just as a receiver, to your point, he didn't score enough touchdowns. Once you get in the red zone, he's not really a huge threat as a receiver. As a running back, he's the biggest threat in the league. He's the best red zone running back in the league. But if he can't do that, then, I mean, how many screens are you going to throw to him in the red zone, right? He's kind of got small. He doesn't have a big catch radius. He's not a big contested catch guy. And I mean, really, in the red zone, you'd rather throw to Juwan Jennings or George Kittle or Ayuk. Not that he doesn't get, I mean, he gets some targets too. I'm just saying it's not. I'd rather throw to freaking Jamar Chase or T Higgins in in the end zone than probably IU. Because
1: what wasn't it against the Bengals that he ran that nasty ass like route where he just completely like shimmied on someone, just like, oh my god, or was that the Vikings? For the win for the win Whoa. in overtime? That one's you know? <laughs> but yeah. there was another one. There was another one where it was like a it was like five yards away. He did a sweet, like, he, I think it was the lineup in the slot. He he did a nice, sweet, like, faint to the outside. He came back in. I got, I think that might have been the Vikings, but either way, like, he completely demolished his defender. So to me, I think he just looks better. He's just better, like, a better route runner when it comes to short space in terms of versus Debo's. Like, if you give him, like, a little longer, uh, a longer real estate to work with, you're pretty much cooked. But yeah. to me, I, I, they don't have a top, the best wide receiver don't know. And I think there's going to be probably like three to five. Be- better I think they're top one. five. Top five, okay, I'll, I'll I'll give you that top five, but I think I still think I can probably feel I can grasp. Seattle really. has a good one too. See, I was gonna say that's another one I was thinking. Seattle, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I mean, the Rams have a good one
0: too with Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. Yep. Oh, okay, Allen Robinson. Okay, stop. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big Allen Robinson guy yeah, either. Uh, the Alan Raiders Martin's have a good true. one in Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro.
1: That's a sweet one. That's a good one. That's a, that's. A I mean, the race. Dolphins
0: have a good one in Tyreek Hill and uh, Jaylen Waddle.
1: Yeah, water was sweet last year, but they got pretty much
0: Jimmy G over there too. So, it's I mean, a lot of guys in the league. That's true, they do. How's that gonna work? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I think I, it's on, it's on, it's on Ayuk to take the next step. Debo is an All-Pro yes. wide receiver. Ayuk, um, there's a lot of excuses for the fact that he hasn't got to a thousand yards yet. I think a lot of people expect him to have a thousand, 1, eleven hundred, 1, twelve hundred yards this year, including me. So it's, it's just it's on him to do it. He probably will. all that hype he has in the offseason to kind of give it him? So it's like right now everything's surging for him. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right, let's keep going. Matt Mayoko was on the radio yesterday, and he was asked, like, what's going to go on with Jimmy Garoppolo? And he's such a plain-spoken, honest dude. And he was like, ah, mean, I can't really see him starting anywhere this season, which I've felt for a while. I mean, which team seems super motivated to get Jimmy Garoppolo coming off surgery and he hasn't been able to – he hasn't been at your, on your team in OTAs and minicamp. Like, you're just going to throw the playbook at him in, in August coming off a, a, a surgery to his throwing shoulder and be like, hey, cram that into your brain and be our starter. And let's like, – and we're going to win the Super Bowl. What is the, what is the point? Shouldn't you just go with your – whatever young guy you have? I mean, it seems like that's the way this is going. What do you think?
1: Yeah, he ain't being a starter this year. That's why I keep thinking every time Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, whatever the hell goes up there and says, like, yeah, unless he's traded. Like, what kind of delusion do you have? Uh, Let's just say this. If the 49ers are able to trade Garoppolo for anything, a ham sandwich, they should be crowned offseason champions because, my God, nobody on their God's green earth should trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. You're going to take on that contract and give up anything? Like, that alone would be, like, malpractice if you're a team, like, trading for Garoppolo. If If you're the Niners, my God. You guys are digging crescent for the best offseason I've ever seen, but that's come on. That's just that's just freaking ridiculous. With what he's going to do at anything this season, I see him. He's bringing be like a picked up emergency backup for some team who loses it, whether it's through gameplay or injury. Um, but no, nah, he's he's not going to be a star anymore. It's, it's done. I mean, pretty much. I think we all could have pretty much surmised that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think so.
0: He was trying to be really fair. I think he was. He's like he's definitely. A top 25 quarterback in the NFL. I thought that was a very diplomatic way. You could say that, right? He's a top 25 quarterback in the NFL. But what team is going to say, let's trade for that number 25 ranked quarterback and his contract for one year so we can win a Super Bowl? Like, that's not going to happen. No one thinks they're one Jimmy Garoppolo away from winning a Super Bowl. So what's the point? What are you really doing? It seems like a waste. It's a waste of reps that could go to a quarterback with a future. And uh, I think that's how I felt last year. The whole time, last year, like, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not going to happen. And we saw it didn't happen. I mean, he's probably not going to be healthy at the end of the year. He's just not good enough. So, what's the point of having the 25th best quarterback who's 30 and won't be on your team next year when you could just start freaking Drew Locke or I Jacoby percent? Like, what's the <laughs> difference? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and it's always that salary too, right? That everyone keeps getting bugged about. Like, why are you going to take that on and give up asset? But and not like like, especially with Baker Mayfield out there. I mean, I know Baker Mayfield's kind of being painted as a toxic character, which he probably is, but he's cheaper and has a little more promise. At least he can actually air it out. I mean, he might not be the most accurate, you know, especially medium short range or whatever. But at least he has like something you can build upon. I mean, Jimmy doesn't really. You kind of know what he has. I mean, if he's if he's struggling and just can barely get past. With a in a passing offense with the four ers with Kyle shannon of all coaches what are lesser coaches which is most of them going to be able to do with him especially when it's gonna expedite his learning in the process trying to build that synchronization with the skill weapons he's just an emergency quarterback i mean once once all those teams pretty much filled up all their holes a quarterback back in march the it was pretty much over for him in his future he
0: was not being a starter no more nope and it's like Coming off off the surge, he's going to have to be a backup for a while. And, again, to me, this is going to be very interesting to me. I want to see if he can do it. He was a backup for a long time, Mm -hmm. but back then he didn't have $100 million. Uh, He's at the stage of his career. I mean, I feel like Ryan Tannehill did this. Ryan Tannehill made a lot of money with Miami, and he was written off, and he had to go be Marcus Mariota's backup, and he did it. And Mariota went down, Tannehill played, was clearly better, got another $100 million contract. Maybe Jimmy could do that. But it would require him, like, sort of swallowing his pride and going somewhere and being someone's backup and just holding a clipboard and, you know, doing football for the love of the game. I, does he still have that? I wonder. I just – I don't know. I'd love to see him do it. I'm, I'm skeptical that he will. Probably, I think, like, the Mitchell Trubisky
1: route, you know, kind of what he did. Yeah. Like, even, who else did that? Marcus He's Mariota a route, role, I guess.
0: very, very rich Mitchell Trubisky who's had injury issues. Like, how many more injuries will he put up with? How many more backup roles will he take? I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe it's Doug back in New England. It's definitely going to be a reclamation project for himself in a sense. I think it'll be good for him. I think he's mentally broken. Like the whole downfield throwing thing has gotten worse uh, since the Emmanuel Sanders missing the Super Bowl. Like, I think he's got mental PTSD from that. And uh, it would probably behoove him to just sit on the bench for a while and watch someone yeah. else play. And,
1: <laughs> he doesn't I have, have any other choice either. He In, have any
0: the any choice. Other choice. Hey man, here's our option: be stubborn with what you want to get, or and retire, retire at thirty, like you know, Jake Locker and Andrew Luck, or go um, work your way up from the bottom again. Go be a backup again. Hey, you can go to time. Hey, you can go to Tampa. Oh god. Hey, real quick side note: do you think it's a um? Do you think it's a coincidence that uh, Julian Edelman? and Brandon Marshall came out with this thing right before Jimmy Garoppolo is supposed to start throwing and, like, be on the market.
1: It can't be a coincidence, right? It can't be. It kind of seems like everything was pretty much, like, within of a day of each other <laughs> and within a day of each other. I remember hearing when Martellus Bennett first said that. I was like, God goddamn, like, you have all these 49 players who just always continue, even now, great guy, whatever, this and that. You know, dudes, dudes so humble, dudes so wholesome, whatever, this and that. And then you just have old pages player just completely just
0: straight ruining him. Sledgehammer to his name. And it's like five years later, right? They're mad about something that happened early 2016. Uh, Bennett said it last year, 2021. And now in 2022, Julian Edelman comes out and says, like, right before Jimmy's going to hit the market, says the same thing. And it's like, they are really holding a grudge. To me, what's crazy about it is not only were they angry about it, but they're not going to let it go. And, it, and, their, and their opinion is like, I don't care that Jimmy Garoppolo played through a thumb injury for the Niners this year. Look, he what he did to us in 2016, we will never let go, never let people forget about it. And we actually want to harm his career. That's <laughs> what it seemed like. We want people to remember that he's soft and he quit on us and he will quit on you and he will shut himself. I was like, whoa, you talk about me costing players money. Like Julian Edelman and Martellus Bennett are trying to cost Jimmy Garoppolo money. Like that is deep. That's worse. He's actually played with him. They know him. My goodness. I was surprised. I wonder if that's
1: not why Jimmy forced his injuries through the hand, shoulder, and whatever else he had at that time when
0: he's like, oh, Ben has oh, said I that before. That. Let me just push through it. Of course. Because he didn't. And, and you you wonder, like, did he shut himself? Remember, first of all, there was 2020. He had the high ankle sprain, never came back. People uh Lynch said he was practicing and looking great. Did he shut himself down? Then there was 2021. He he got hurt against Seattle. Halftime, Kyle Shanahan said, "Well, I didn't have the best game plan for Trey because I didn't. I wasn't. Jimmy didn't tell me he wasn't going to play until we were walking out for the second half. He said that on the record. Did he shut himself down in that game? Then there was, um, uh, what? Well, those those would be a few. Mm-hmm. Those would be a few. Did he shut himself down in, in those cases? I don't know. Maybe not." But he played through it this year, and they questioned him in uh, in New England.
1: Anyway, and that's probably also something they said to him. It's like, look, Jimmy, man, <laughs> we need you to push through this injury stuff because this is already stacked against you. And if you want to go next season into having some semblance of a starting role, you need to actually show that you're tough.
0: And it backfired. Yeah, did <laughs> Murphy says if Jimmy leads the Browns to the playoffs and Trey doesn't, uh, would you walk any of your comments about Jimmy or the bust or the just blame the O line coaching, etc. Well, I don't know. I guess we'll have to see if it unfolds that way. How about that? We'll have to see what happens. People trying to get me to commit to something in a bunch of hypotheticals. That's a hypothetical. That's a Let's huge. see Jimmy Garoppolo start for a team before we talk about walking things back. How about that, Murphy? See him actually get signed to a team. Let's see him actually be a starter or be in the league first. Talking about leading the team. Let's see him be healthy for five games in a row next year, this year. All right, moving on. Some people think the Niners can be elite this year. I think they can, but I feel like four or five things would have to happen. What are those things? Or maybe it's just one in your opinion. No, it's got to be multiple things. Look, they're they're a good
1: team, solid team now, but here's some other players like I feel like they have some loose ends. You know, it's kind of like they have the shoes on but they need to get them like get them laces tied up so they can really run, you know, before they actually gain some traction. I think one of those players is going to be the center, Jake Brendel. I mean, we've seen in the past how many times the center position has been so cru- crucial to that team, especially yeah. more than any other team. I mean, everyone knows, you know, at this point, if you're a casual football fan, center is pretty much like almost the brains of the offensive line. Yeah. Um, They pretty much kind of like get everyone set, you know, the middle, like the linebacker offensive line. And every time they didn't have someone who was just decent or adequate enough, everything just tumbled. I mean, yeah. I know they had the best case scenario where someone actually stepped in and just did decent was – um. Uh, who was his name? Who took ben over? Garland. Garland. Ben Garland, excuse ben me. Ben Garland. He, he was, he was good. Kilgore was good. West yep. Richburg was
0: good. Horonis Grosso was not. No. Brunskill was and, not. And it was crazy real quick. Like, in 2020, um, Garland got hurt, and the, the Niners were really trying to sell everyone on Grosso. Like, you know, we really like him. Even though he's a practice squad guy, he was drafted. We like. He was horrendous. And they had to end up getting him out of there and put Brunskill in there eventually. And I feel like – I'm not saying Brendel's going to be the same, but it's the same situation where practice squad guy, anyone could have had this guy. I mean, he wasn't practice squad last year, but he was a couple years ago. Anyone could have had him. The Niners are the ones being like, we have a diamond in the rough. Forget what everyone else says. He's good. Like, all right, last time I heard this about a No Name Center, you were wrong, so hopefully you're right. Brendel's got a lot of pressure on him, but that's one. I think Aaron Banks is two. I mean – at least they say they like Brendel. Like they didn't say anything like that with Aaron Banks. <laughs> and they drafted Brendol him second round I last I year. They like him. What's Brendel was active last year. Banks was not. He was injured. Yes, yeah, true. So yeah, I mean, he needs to be healthy. If he's do healthy you and good, like
1: him when you draft him second round, kind of. I mean, this guy versus one guy got drafted like a very high. Dra- I mean, second round pick is a pretty big deal. Versus a guy who pretty much, what, like you said, anyone could have had him, so he probably yeah. thinks like, oh, I was kind of like a last-minute cheap signing, whatever, and the only reason why he got signed there is because of Chris Forster. That's what they said. Right. So, I mean, you got one player who really needs to get propped up, and especially because it is center for that offense, that's critical. You really need that one to be the most tight grip, the most sure-handed. But, yeah, I think those are definitely like 1A, 1B, or even 1 and 2, whatever you want to be it. But Brendon number top number two, I'd, I'd say the other player, if we're going to look at it, is your boy Talanoa Hafunga just because in case he gets picked on when any sort of capacity gets beat deep, if he's like shorthanded just, just short enough coverage, he didn't have to be anywhere elite, just decent, which I think he's very well capable of being. They're going to have themselves a hell of a defense. They're going to have themselves a hell of a defense already, even with him being, if he is a liability, but I think it's, he just gets to a decent standing, decent footing and somehow catapult himself to that momentum. My God, that Fortnite's defense is going to be so disgusting. It's going to be so filthy.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could always point to Kinlaw, uh, whoever the nickel is, Talanoa, mm-hmm. but I just, I mean, the defense is always top five. You know, yeah. it could be better, but it's always top five. It's always the best part of the team. It's always what keeps them in games. My, For whatever reason, their offense hasn't figured it out in five years. I mean, maybe it's the quarterback spot, whatever. But to me, like, the questions are always the offense, the quarterback position. I mean, honestly, if Trey Lance can protect himself, uh, he's got a hell of a trio of, of receivers. He's got a hell of a running game, a hell of a defense. He, you know, He could take this team to to a whole different level. He, he could win 12, 13 games as a rookie. Yep. He could be that really successful young quarterback like Roethlisberger was. I mean, he could. Or he could be a total freaking mirage. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people – Emmanuel Ocho doesn't think he's going to be good. What do you call him, one-play Trey? <laughs> okay, Emmanuel. Trey. We didn't forget, Emmanuel.
1: I watched like, just a highlight reel or something like that. I'm just like, ah, that's all he's got.
0: Yeah. Uh, we got a question from OKOK319 says, uh, I enjoyed the show, Grant. Thank you. Don't you think this is most likely scenario Watson gets told one year Browns want JG contract and Niners get something decent, like six round, Way more than a ham sandwich. <laughs> Maybe. Um, possibly. They can't
1: fit his contract on there because they're going to have to cut Baker Mayfield and they're going to eat that 18000000 million. They're going to eat it. Oof. So the only way you get a Baker Mayfield – I mean, excuse me. The only way you get Jimmy Garoppolo on your on your books is if you send Baker Mayfield. But no one no one wants Baker Mayfield because everyone knows he's going to get cut. He's going to get cut.
0: I just want to see Jimmy Garoppolo and Amari Cooper on the same team for a full season. Oh, I really want to see. Hey, that,
1: that would work. Amari Cooper is a little bit of a slant god. He works out that way. He's soft going across the middle. He gets exactly. drilled. Exactly. Bad. Exactly. I saw talking, talking hard, using trying to use him that way. This fool getting like knocked out it was crazy.
0: Remember in Seattle. John Gruden had him running across the middle, got crunched, and they traded oh him the next week. He's like, what dude. are you doing? He's he does not- it, but he doesn't brace for it. He just, like, stands there like a tackling dummy. He's a finesse receiver. Good one. Uh, he's, awesome. He runs outside the numbers and down the field. You need a guy with an arm like Deshaun Watson. Great fit with Deshaun Watson. Terrible fit with Jimmy Garoppolo. I really hope Jimmy goes to Cleveland from the bottom of my heart. All right, moving on. This is kind of – I, I, I was just thinking – I was just thinking, if they were to redraft last year's draft, 2021, Niners still had pick three, do you think Trey Lance would be available, and do you think they would take him again? How do you think those first three picks would go if you did them all over one year later? Hmm.
1: I think at that point, who would be a higher one? Davis Mills, right? Davis Mills probably maybe higher. I don't know about top three higher. That's a little bit of a stretch, but I mean he did look the most promising of all the quarterbacks. Also, last there was year, Jamar right?
0: Chase. I mean, would he go ahead of any of these quarterbacks? Because he's phenomenal. He, I mean, he go, he go ahead of Kyle Pitts.
1: I look, I still think the Niners are taking Lance.
0: I know you think, like, you know, you got you got all the also like, Mac Jones who went to the playoffs. I I saw someone do a a, uh, a redraft that had Mac Jones going number three to the Niners and I was like no no would I mean would the Jets take Mac Jones I wonder how the Jets really feel about Zach Wilson I think they don't know how to feel I think the Jets are probably as nervous about Zach as the Niners are about Trey like we're it's all in <laughs> we'll hope.
1: I don't know it's probably worse because since the Jets staff is new they don't really have like you know the full hands-on experience of being in that specific role. I mean, maybe from prior experiences, but but being in like assistant roles, whatever, whatnot. But that's kind probably of they feel like they're on the
0: hot seat too, and the Niners aren't. Yeah,
1: look, I still think it's I still think it's Trey. I know you. you got think Jamal, it's more other too. great, you know, typically yeah. close Pro Bowl, All Pro talents there. But to me, it's like, all right, four years are gonna draft Chase. Who the hell still throwing them the ball? I mean, they barely they, they had to reinvent Debo Samuel and all these players just True. to get these guys to be significantly True. impactful. They were going quarterback no matter what.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo would limit Chase the way he limited Debo. No, you're right. You can't take Chase. Uh, they would take – Yeah, you wouldn't take Max Jones. I just thought – I think it's interesting. I still think the Niners did the right thing. I'm yes. not sure that trading up to number three was the right thing, but I'm not sure it wasn't. I mean, if Trey Lance ends up being a superstar, it was worth it. So I think, they, I think the picks would go the same way. The only difference would be Chase would go four instead of five. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Cause and then
1: you think maybe the Falcons will have probably had a better year. Matt Ryan probably stays on. That would have double affected the, the whole league. I just said. wonder, I mean,
0: the, the Jets, there's so much pressure on Salah. I feel like every every team you get three years as a coach to prove yourself, unless you're awful. New York, you get two. And I think they're a little like, you know, Zach Wilson. It's all gonna come down to him. The team is pretty good. But if they had Mac Jones, maybe they just have a little bit more time to put things together because he's solid. I don't know. I don't know. I yeah, think Zach I actually think Zach Wilson's pretty good. We'll see. Yeah, he's just sad.
1: No, but look, you, you mentioned about their their uh you thought it might have been a little too much, or maybe who knows about trading up all the way to three. Look, I have no problem with them trading up all those picks. If you're going for a quarterback, that's yeah. that's a game-changing position. And as we yeah. saw right now, all they need is just a little bit more oomph. And if they can get even just more oomph and then beyond, which they hope Trey Lance will be that elite status with those physical traits he gets to. Then my God, the Niners are going to be good for a long time. You got offensive-minded coach. It, it's going to be it, – it, it's me. It's worth the swing. I appreciate the swing. I respect the hell out of it. I like it better than them just standing pat too many times that we've seen. At least they did something.
0: I like doing the redraft exercise because usually pretty quickly you realize you the team should have taken someone else in hindsight. Not in this case. Not yet at least. 2020, I mean, Kinlaw like, – Tristan worse is an all pro offensive tackle. Like that's an easy one. What about Ayuk? Ayuk is good, but like, is he better than T Higgins who went after him? I don't know. Is he better than Travon Diggs who had 11 picks last year? Maybe, maybe not. Kind of that. That's an interesting one too. I think we'll, we'll probably have a better read on that uh, at the end of the season.
1: Antoine Winfield still available. I think.
0: There's that a lot of good players who are available right there. Probably offensive lineman as well. And the Niners got a number two wide receiver that they may not keep long-term. We'll see. Something to look at. Uh, next thing, pro football focus says that the Niners have the best off-ball linebackers in the NFL, meaning like the not three, four pass rushers. Um, I mean, I don't know the rest of the team's trios, but seems fair. I, I believe him. It seems like if Dre Greenlaw is your third best wide res- uh, linebacker, it's a good trio. Um And at times I felt like Aziz was better than Fred Warner last year. So to me, what makes this trio so unique and good is that they're all sort of like specialized in. Moving laterally, not moving downhill. You know what I mean? They're all about going sideways, side to side, not getting any. It didn't used to be that way 15 years ago. It's all about getting in the backfield. Now it's different. Patrick Willis and the ball
1: Bowman were pretty damn good at that too. They were good. True. That's why once Bowman got the injury, it was like, no, he's done. Once he lost that ladder of quickness, he really saw how done he was, which it's is true. Suck to see, but that's the way it goes. You lose that just that one aspect as a linebacker. Because that's why that's why they have them do those shuffle drills. Cause you have to be like you have to be quick on your feet, like almost like a grasshopper just moving, moving side to side and stuff like that. I, I think I think I would tend to agree with that, just like already thinking about like 10 teams off top, 10 to 15 teams off top of my head, who I can actually recollect who their linebacker core is. Because how many teams are actually even deep like that linebacker? Usually, it's just like one, two tops. But you got three. Yeah, you got three. You got an all-pro caliber and Fred Warner. You got pretty much almost an all-pro caliber and Aziz Al-Shahir if he can do it again. And then Dre Greenlaw is solid, even though he kind of seems like topped out. But still, he's been he's been a consistent, just like in the solid state. That's a pretty good-ass core right there. Because now you don't have to be so you don't have to be so one-minded in terms of oh we got got our nickel out there. But because now you can rock with that base because you have so much of that lateral quickness that you have someone who can get to that sideline quickly if they throw it short to the fly, throw it in the out route. It's a lot of flexibility. And some of these guys have demonstrated to be efficient blitzers. Maybe not Drake Greenlaw, but I've seen Aziz and Fred Warner do some pretty good. I know Fred does it does really well on the delay blitz. I think because when they lost Kaywon Williams last year for a good portion that they made Fred more of that blitzer that Kwan used to be. So I'm wondering if they still do that, try to switch it around you know, trying to make the other teams guessing, but that's a key
0: one right there, right there. Well, if you think about it, like, I think it's a key, this is Robert Sala's legacy on the team. He did this in Jacksonville, um, but his thought process is, first of all, pass coverage is more important than run defense. So well, let's think of these guys in terms of pass coverage guys. And he did, he called a lot of zone. So in the nineties, it was a lot of Tampa two, which is two deep five underneath. Like there's not a lot of space for these linebackers to cover. They don't have to be super fast because the corners are in the flat too. But now it's like cover three and cover four, which means three deep four underneath or four deep three underneath. That's a ton of space in coverage for the linebackers to have to be responsible for. And we saw when Sala first got here and he was calling those coverages with uh, old Navarro Bowman on the field, like just checkdowns to running backs would be 13-yard gains. It couldn't ha- it just, it, 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 the whole defense broke. So you really need super fast linebackers and coverage. And I think just his idea of you got to think of these guys in terms of coverage players not just run defenders, coverage players first. Mm-hmm. That That's the whole change in the league, and that's why now you see guys who were like DBs in college now playing linebacker in the NFL. It seems counterintuitive.
1: And had the Niners always ran that wide nine front before 2019, or was that like their first year? That was ran new it?
0: 2019. They brought that in. Okay, yeah, so you yeah. see
1: how they pretty much admitted, look, we're going to address pass first, and if you want to – and. I think they gave up what? Damn near almost 5 yards or uh, a carry. They did. That, they that didn't did. matter.
0: Yeah, didn't matter.
1: That didn't matter. Didn't I mean, really sure, did. if the offense the other off if the if the 49ers offense was failing to score like more than like 14, 18 points, then it became an issue because then teams were just like, "All right, we're just going to keep milking the clock. We're going to make this a long game so we limit the other team's the 49ers offense possessions because Jimmy can't throw it or the running game's not working." Um so yeah, that that was already a great commitment right there. So you talk about a legacy that Robert Sala started, that's
0: another one right there. Yeah, I remember when well, he was in Jacksonville? They had Miles, Jack, Telvin Smith. I mean, they had really oh, good trio of a of, of linebackers. And then he came here. He tried to recreate the same thing right away. He drafted Ruben Foster, signed Malcolm Smith. Didn't exactly work out, but Better, they got there. And you know, I'm sure I'm sure D'Amico Ryan's is partially responsible too because he's been here as well. Real quick before we move on, I asked D'Amico Ryan's last time he had a press conference. Like, did you talk to Robert Sala over? The offseason, just about oh, scheme that. and stuff. And is that kind of part of your – do you watch his defense? Is that part of your homework? And he looked at me with this blank expression. He was like, no. I looked at my defense. And I thought that's so interesting. I guess – I always assumed like he – like that would have been his best friend or his mentor. But sometimes maybe you feel like you're uh, too closely related to someone you work with. And you're like actually trying to – be hey, I'm my own guy. You know, I do things differently. Just because we work together doesn't mean I'm, like, calling Robert all Like, hey, what do I do? He was like, nah, man. I don't. I didn't do that at all. I was like, wow. I probably talked to Solomon more this offseason than you. That's that's very interesting. Anyway, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. D'Amico's like, nope. Okay. Well, he knows what he's doing. He doesn't need Solomon's help. Especially now he's not working under him,
1: like, before either. So now it's like, I'm my own guy. I can't be, like, being the understudy anymore. Now it's – especially since he was just
0: having head coach interviews this offseason. That's true. So, I mean, and maybe he – Maybe he did call Salah because why would you not call people and just talk? But maybe he just didn't want the – like. maybe he's thinking, well, if I say I talk to Salah, people will perceive it as uh, he's smarter than me. I need his help. I can't stand it on my own two feet. Fair enough because I'm not trying to create that – D'Amico definitely is good on his own, doesn't need Salah, and should be a head coach right now. And I respect that he's holding out for the job he wants maybe just didn't even think of it i mean it did just
1: come off that brutal loss and you just you know you, you take some time away from it and then you start thinking all right let's review it what do we gotta do here circle this circle that here's what we're gonna do like i would i would put it past him just
0: be like oh robert Sala, when he's got other things on his mind i always just assume that coaches have a network of coaches that they talk to and trust just to talk ball especially in the offseason like the evolution of scheme like hey where's offense going what where should defense go i mean those are the conversations i think kyle has with his dad he probably has with chris i'm sure there's four or five people that kyle talks to in that way and it's probably not all of them are in the organization some of them might be retired and i was just wondering like you know who what they say who's in your rolodex the, the, the <laughs> who's in, it's, you would think Sala would be in there but none of my business i think basically his answer was none of your fucking business Fair enough. It,
1: it could have been. Maybe he's lying Ooh. about it. Who knows? But I think Ooh. also last year when they had the, the Flying Coach podcast with McVay and Schrager, mm-hmm. Shannon hopped on there. Uh, they asked them. One of the questions was they asked them uh, about, like, hey, do you guys, like, you know, talk to each other? Or look at other stuff? Do you ever share plays or whatever? Another semblance is like, not really. We don't really talk to each other like that. If we just see, like, oh, it's just – it could have been lying, but I, don't know. I got the sense, like, they weren't, you know, BSing. It was just like, no, dude, I'm yeah. not going to, like – Maybe you know, can't exactly something.
0: talk shop with a, a coach on another team. Maybe it's exactly. got to be your It's almost like taboo something. Not yeah, I mean, not when you're maybe,
1: going against each other.
0: Maybe when right, maybe, maybe
1: when you're done, like done working.
0: Yeah, maybe the people you talk to have to be retired. Yes. Yeah. Or or on your team. <laughs> yeah. All right.
1: Well, who are your team?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Last topic of the day. It's it's the it's the obligatory non-football topic. I want to give uh, Gunnar, I'm gonna get back to you in a second. I want to give Emmanuel Acho credit because last month he said the one he said that people called Trey Lance one-play Trey. I never heard that, and I. Made a video, just sort of cursing a lot. It was, it was okay. I was, I was upset. I don't know why I was upset. It just seemed um, like a lazy analysis, and I th- felt like I had enough. Uh, but then he came out recently and had this beautiful analysis of Stephen Curry, and I think articulated what a lot of people felt but hadn't said. And he did it in like ninety seconds. So I wanted to give him credit. It was like, as a lot of other people have put it, it was one of the better comments. In, in sports analysis. And I've heard this year. And he basically said like, this is why Steph Curry is better than Kevin Durant. Uh, forget individually what they've accomplished. Look at all the, look at what Steph has done for people around him. Look at how Steph has made so many people, but I don't have, I'm not going to redo the whole rant because he did it better. But if you want to check it out, it's all over Twitter and YouTube. Um, basically just pointed out, you know, all the people that Steph has cre- made into made men. Clay Draymond Steve Kerr Andrew Wiggins and with Durant I mean like all the people he's worked with really had their biggest accomplishments away from him and it's like yeah it's a damn good point Emmanuel and I think it really it shows why Steph Curry belongs in such lofty conversations one of the greatest athletes of all time like it's a team sport look what he does to his team
1: that that just deserve applause for macho i was like you know what you might have been talking so fast with some of these people who've been watched it he this guy felt like he was that's on why they had subtitles. the yeah. like he was on fast forward 2.5 times yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he was wow. but uh, hearing him just reminds me one of my cousins has like the greatest sports one of the greatest sports take he's ever had and one of the ones i've ever heard is he said years ago steph curry might be the most disrespected professional athlete in the yeah. history not, maybe not in history but like in recent memory like especially even now like the guy just gets like no credit so the fact that it took just four reigns for people to finally start propping him up just more it, it felt like it was just a little now that he's got this fourth it took a huge jump to finally like reach that level he has at now which which is why i think i'm i felt adamant about last week when we talked about i think curry is number one for me in barrier athletes mm-hmm. just because of like you know the, the way you just he ascended the way he keeps going, the way he's still just, you know, just with the same team, the way he's changed the game. And the same These points that Acho just pointed out, who has he made better? Who's he keep – like, the guy is not me first. The guy is team first. And it's like – which he should probably be me first in some games because the guy can just take over like he did in that game four. Like, just, just what he's done for the impact of the game ultimately to his teammates and especially ke- uh, comparing to Kevin Durant, perfect. Because Grant – you know, his ultimate skill is just ISO because he's so right. – the guy's just a freak of nature. So why does he need to raise other people's games? I mean, you could see the way he did it with OKC. I mean, he let Russell Westbrook take over. That was probably his greatest thing. It's like, oh, I let Westbrook take over. And how did that work out for them? Nothing.
0: Right. But the point is, like, with that style, his, you know, great one-on, he's probably the best one-on-one player in the NBA. He's never won a championship that way. Mm -hmm. And you know what? He never will. Because it's a team game. And he in the playoffs, he's always going to come up against someone eventually who can make him work, like Kawhi or Giannis, who mm-hmm. are just better players than him. And with Steph, you can double him, you can blitz him, you can take the ball out of his hands, but he won't force it. He'll make the right pass. Now that the the, the, the uh, Warriors are playing four on three, he's great off the ball, on the ball. He's he's to me, he has a bigger impact on his team than Kevin Durant does, and they're both all time greats. But that's pretty much. I mean, even LeBron, like, just thinking about Draymond would never have been an All Star without Steph, and I don't know if Clay would either. And now they're gonna be Hall of Famers. What players can you say that about with LeBron James? Guys that he made Hall of Famer, like he made Tristan Thompson a good player for a minute, but like, it's not the same, you know? Maybe maybe he just wasn't in that position. So you're speak we we speaking about impact on the game, what Astro I I just
1: said, like impact on your teammates and everything, like. It's funny with KD and LeBron, especially LeBron. It's like, what has he done better his teammates? Well, can you say he's always switching teams and his teammates? Right. He's just he's just throwing them out like a piece of chew, uh, like a piece of used up gum. It's like that's a good point. That's a good it's, point. It's, it's this mercenary style of basketball. Yeah. I Who said that? I forgot. I heard someone say that, and I was like, bravo! That's the best term adjective to use for the NBA. It's pretty much majority of the league is mercenary basketball. It's like, hey, I'll hire you to do this. We'll, we'll run a year or two. I mean, shoot, the Nets until yesterday, two days ago, we're about to disband already. KD and, K- and Kyrie after just one year, barely being together. Yeah. So to me, that's, I think that's where it's like, it's, you have these players who have their skills and just think like so highly of themselves and they're dominant and they are dominant, but you realize you got to make other people better. It can't just be all about you, especially right. when it's like a seven game series that's, that's tough to disdain. And those moments is going to demand from you, but, You need other players to actually uplift them. It's like the same thing with the quarterbacks in the NFL. We want our court. We pay you this money, Aaron Rodgers, to uplift these other receivers because you're so damn good. Are you that good to uplift other people, or are you just like no? You kind of see it with the way with like LeBron and KD, which is why they're always like looking at other places. They're looking where the grass is greener all the time rather than
0: just looking at what's in their own yard. And they're to me that like uh, let's talk about LeBron. Like he's part of the problem with the teams that he leaves. First, he, he Cleveland at first that team sucked wasn't his fault. He left fine. He went to the Miami, he has a great organization run by Pat Riley. He won two titles and left. Why? And they were they had like a 50 win season like two years later, just left Miami to go back to Cleveland fine. You know, he wanted to be the good guy again. When he got back to Cleveland, he essentially was the general manager of that team. I mean, anything yeah. he wanted, they would do. So you can't really talk about him have, not having the supporting cast like. He got there and was like, Wiggins, I don't like him. Let's trade him for Kevin Love, who plays no defense. Defense kind of important in the playoffs. Curry gets Wiggins seven years later and turns him into a quality, not just a quality role player, an essential role player on a championship team. I mean, I just feel like these superstars are so powerful in the NBA now. They actually are partially responsible for the teams they put together or that they blow up. And Curry never blew up the team. He never left. LeBron, he'll, he'll go. he he'll went to Cleveland, put together a team that fell apart and was like, I'm out. Oh, whatever, your problem now. And I'll just go to L.A. and, and put together a team there. And now he's got a, a, a ridiculous team with freaking Russell Westbrook. Like, how did he get here? Did you sign off on that? Did you want that? Like, yeah, I don't did. know. Steph doesn't put together a ridiculous team. He doesn't let this stuff happen to his team. They both have ultimate power over their organization. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, he did. I used to always call LeBron James the uh, with his general, it's just irrational with the way he moves people. Since yeah. obviously he's the GM, I used to call him the John Gruden of players for the NBA because it's he lacks the vision to project. It's just, what can you do for me in this moment right now? Which not even a Gruden thing, it's a head coach thing. I mean, Shanahan does that. He sometimes he's very short tempered, short patience with his own pl- young players rather than just let him work through it it's almost like now nah, i've seen enough after just your two reps let yeah. me let me get him out of here like yeah the, i remember the lakers with that young crew with brandon ingram lonzo ball kyle kuzma and like a couple other players they were doing fine i remember that first half of the season and lebron got injured and it's almost like he sat back to be injured on purpose or he 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 chilled on his rehab so he could see where his young people were going to see how they handled it without him and once they went on a losing streak, he said, we're done. Chalk the season. I'm done with them. We're going to get AD.
0: Now AD is like pretty much never going to play. And uh, Russell Westbrook – oh, man. LeBron, I, I don't know. He's uh, one of the greatest players of all time. Um, he's got the yes. longevity. He was great – young, old. But uh, I don't know, man. I mean, he put together some bad teams. He's He's got to be responsible for some of this weak supporting cast that he's had. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, it's
1: always funny when he tries to backlash. Like, oh, you look at other teams, how they do LeBron, shut up! You built your own team, bro. Like, maybe you just let the other people who actually get paid to pick uh, build the team do their job. You would actually be in a better position than you are
0: now. Here's his ultimate legacy: only dude ever who could win a, a ring with Kyrie. Yeah, he gets credit for that because Kyrie is, yeah.
1: be injured, Draymond suspended, and uh, something else happened.
0: That's true. That is true, but. um I mean, he actually kept Kyrie's, like, head in the game. No one else has been able to do that, especially Kevin Durant. Gunner says, do you think Kyle will open up the playbook this year finally? Never had a consistently good offense, and yet he's an offensive coach. Not right away. I wouldn't expect it. I think it's going to be training wheels early on with uh, Trey Lance until he – like, go back and look how uh, Seattle used Russell Wilson the first half Mm -hmm. of his rookie year. It was a lot of running the ball, a lot of running. I think it's going to be like that.
1: Plus, I just think Kyle's always—he's just going to be a run-first coach. He's an old-school mentality coach, to a degree. Um, and plus, yeah, I think it's going to be something he's—he he's, needs to build trust and comfortability first with Trey. Like I said, I think it's going to be early game. Like, let's just see a few passes, see if that completes it, and then if I trust him, all right, now let's just start launching it and see what we can do with them. Because I think he's feeling it today.
0: Tapia says Messi or Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Why? I got
1: to pick. I got to pick Ronaldo because Ronaldo shows up more on the. Well, lately now, Messi's been showing up. Less, messi's been showing up on the international stage the last two years so he's he's gonna start building the case but to me I, i've always given the nods to ronaldo still a slight nod um the way he's just showing up more in world Cup. even when argentina made that world cup uh, run in 2014 he kind of disappeared once they got into the actual playoff tournament yeah that's what i
0: was gonna say no you weren't you don't even know who <laughs> messi is <laughs> of course i do messi he plays soccer all right that's the show for today thanks for watching i'll be back tonight with uh, jesse naylor i'll be back tomorrow morning with Eric Crocker, and then we'll figure it out from there. Jose, thank you.
1: Thank y'all. Peace.